boys and girls all over the world tune and dial in to the show where the host put what they hate most on a wheel and give a spin because it's movie night and the time is right to kick back and let go if you're in the mix and you like good flicks then you came to the wrong show it's the weekly watch wheel Jimmy and Shamley. <laughs> hey everybody, welcome to the weekly watch wheel where we'll watch a movie. My name is Matt. I'm here with Jimmy and Shanley. Last week Jimmy spun unknown Disney movie and he chose the Song of the South. Is it Is it the Song of the South or is it just Song of the South? I thought it was just Song of the South. I think you're right. Song of the South. Because there's so many good southern songs, Jim. You can't just make one the definite. I think it's... Sometimes they use song for, like, a collection of things. Mm. Uh, a song of ice and fire or other examples. Okay, Jimmy, you <laughs> you spun the wheel. You chose Song of the South, so the burden falls on you to give us a quick recap of what the movie's about the movie's about family um the movie is about celebrating what many would say is a great time in our nation's history yeah uh, okay some would say that i don't know many many uh, a lot of people really look back fondly on that time okay uh, it was a simpler time and a time of coming together and listening to tales of different cultures and, uh, you know, just letting those shape the future of this great nation. Wow. Or, you know, I don't know, something like that. I think that um, that's definitely what they were going for. <laughs> that is definitely what they were going for. I, I'm not sure if they were successful, but I had a great time once again watching this film. So... The White Family. I don't know where. Did they ever say where they were coming from? Yeah, they're coming from Atlanta. Oh, okay, really? Yeah. Because that's where the little boy... Want, okay, I'm getting ahead of us. Father and mother and their son are... Johnny. ...on their way to, I believe, the father's family plantation. No, it's the so maternal grandmother. So it seemed that way. When you watch the film, it seemed that it was the mother's mother who yeah. was owning the plantation. But the father who leaves once they get to the plantation to go back to work, I believe, I, I interpreted it as him going to fight for the Confederacy. But apparently <laughs> the film takes place post-Civil War. Yeah. There's a the controversy. era. There's a controversy with that too because it's not clear in the movie at all. Not at all. In it, fact, it seems clear that it is during slavery. It seems like that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, some would even accuse the studio of being intentionally ambiguous. Yeah. So that way they could fall back on saying, yeah, this is post-Civil War, this is Reconstruction. I think a lot of the evidence comes from the source material. Yeah. Um, so I would speculate that in the books or book, I don't know if it's a collection. It's a book. It, it's a song, if you will. Um, a collection well, of many tales. It's a book containing yeah, many tales of oh. Uncle Remus. But 
I would guess that in that they go into more detail of when this is happening. Yeah, so they, it's based on the Uncle Remus books that were, I think the proper word would be adapted or collected by Joel Chandler Harris and was published in 1881. And it's a collection of stories that he supposedly learned when he himself was living on a plantation during the Civil War, and this was published afterwards. He collected them, he wrote them down, and then he made these these books. Yeah, and I'm sure he shared the profits with the character who inspired Uncle Remus. Yeah, yeah, so Uncle Remus lives on this plantation, and he's extremely wise, almost mystical, and he tells these Morgan stories. Freeman-esque, if you will. Well, I don't know if I will. You should. Uh, ought I? You ought. You ought <laughs> okay. He's, he's strikes me more of like a red fox kind of. Standing by? <laughs> Not a red fox standing <laughs> by. So Johnny, the young Johnny boy. Johnny is the little boy. Yeah, His he's... father is John. So, so that's what I was getting at. The father in the uh, movie, he is the one who inspires little Johnny's curiosity about Uncle Remus. Because he's telling his son of these stories about... Brer uh, Frog, who lost his tail, and things like that when they're arriving at the plantation. So that's why I thought that the father mm. also grew up there, because he said, oh, like Uncle Remus used to tell these stories. Okay. So maybe they both are from there? Sort of like how the little... Yeah, there's another family other that lives, family in the lives on in the, the plantation, the... but I don't know. Yeah. Well, while John Sr., is going back to atlanta to be a journalist okay you're saying things that you've learned from other sources am i correct no he says he says he writes in the newspaper johnny tells him in the first scene that there are people who don't like what dad writes in the newspaper wow did you follow that i missed that that maybe i was just so convinced that they (laughs) fought for the confederacy that I just didn't follow any of that. But even that is sort of weird. Because it's like what he's doing is potentially life-threatening. And so he puts his wife and his son to live in this plantation elsewhere. Like, what is he writing about? Yeah. Hmm. I can't help but assume that he's commenting on slavery in some way or another. Well, if it's dangerous for him to do that, then I would have to assume that he's writing from a like like a progressive progressive perspective on this yeah because even when the film released in 1946 atlanta was excuse me you're saying atlanta hotlanta hotlanta oh yeah hotlanta uh they didn't have theaters that were open to multiple ethnic groups right so the premiere of this movie was only attended by white people and it concerned Walt Disney enough that he didn't go to the premiere. Really? Out of concern that the white crowd would boo the film and hurt his feelings. So he right. went to his hotel after introducing the film and just waited to see what happened. Right. Okay. Well, then I maybe John Sr. is a progressive. The movie definitely thinks it's very progressive. It does. <laughs> yes. Walt was confident that he was celebrating Diversity. a beautiful experience okay well we're let's progress the story a little bit johnny is upset because he didn't know that his dad 
was going to just leave him and his mom there and then peace out to go and do whatever work, whatever covert journalism he was doing. So in the middle of the night, Johnny creeps out of bed, sneaks into the area where the entirely African-American working force force workforce is celebrating something. The stories they're they're just singing about the stories of Uncle Remus. It felt more festive than that, which is maybe part of the problem here. It reminded me of the celebration on the moon of Endor Mm -hmm. at the end of Return of the Jedi. Jedi. It very much felt like that sort of scene. They are kind of dancing around a fire, aren't they? Are they dancing? Did I imagine that? No, that's what it... I mean, it's hard to see. Uh, We had to watch this on what looked like... uh, handheld camera recording a VHS tape in a dark room. Yeah. Um, So it was kind of hard to see, but that is the impression that I got. It didn't feel just like people sitting around relaxing. It felt more festive than that. Sure. And he sneaks in and there's multiple groups of people. Like there's one part where people are seem to be like singing and dancing. There's another place where there's people uh, telling stories. And then he finds uncle Remus and Uncle Remus notices that upon Johnny's shoulder is a stick and bindle. Yes. Mm-hmm. Good old-fashioned uh, stick and bindle. And so he, does he immediately remark that young Johnny is reminding him of Br'er Rabbit, trying he, to run away from his troubles? Well, I think Uncle Remus inquires about said stick and bindle. Mm-hmm. And Johnny says that he is going to make his way up to Atlanta to be mm. with his dad. And so, excuse me, did I say Atlanta? Hotlanta. Yes. Hotlanta. With, with his dad. As they say in the film. I they, don't know if they're making a reference cons- to Atlanta. <laughs> Consistently. <laughs> so Johnny says that he is going to walk to Hotlanta uh, to be with his dad. And Uncle Remus Uncle says, Remus... I've been thinking of running away too. Mm-hmm. But it's a long <laughs> walk and we need some food. So won't you come into my darkened cabin? And I will prepare some food for us to bring. He specifically says cornbread, which <laughs> I was very excited about. We're going to have to jump on early, Jim, and explain your ethnic background for this. Yeah. Uh, so I'm white, and uh, I'm proud of it. <laughs> what else are you, Jim? <laughs> uh, no, my, my mother is Creole, so I'm half white, half Creole. And my mom actually will hopefully be joining us in this episode because she grew up with these stories being a piece of her childhood. And she had an accompanying vinyl record that you were intended to play along with reading the stories. I just have to, I wonder what the chime, the like page turning chime would have been for a movie like this. Make sure you turn the page when you hear the, what? Well, if it was... Uh, produced by Disney, <laughs> then I hope that it's just a recording of Uncle Remus laughing, like a <laughs> or something. Yeah, that sound clip happened a lot more than I expected it to. Uh, but uh, you know, it could be anything. Who knows? And so, in the darkened cabin, is the first time when. Uncle Remus says, this reminds me of the story of Br'er Rabbit, the time that he wanted to run away from his briar patch. And this begins the first of three allegorical stories that Uncle Remus tells that 
teach Johnny a lesson. And so Johnny and Uncle Remus, they form this friendship. And from the get-go, from that first night learning the story of Br'er Rabbit trying to run away from his briar patch, his mom does not approve of his friendship with Uncle Remus. Yeah, she's immediately upset by it. She's, she's upset at him for keeping Johnny out so late past his bedtime. And surprisingly, Uncle Remus takes the rap for it when really what he did was intervene when well, he John... also covered for Johnny when the little boy who was tasked with keeping Johnny out of trouble, the little like possibly slave child, mm-hmm. when he's running around trying to find Johnny and worried that he's going to get in trouble, Uncle Remus says, oh, well, you go tell him that he's already with me before he even sees Johnny. So mm-hmm. he's like preemptively taking the blame here. Sure, sure. But these scenes, and I think there's at least two of them, where Johnny's mom, her name is Sally, when she scolds Uncle Remus, those were some of the worst scenes. Yeah, so I actually have a quote from her where she says, Uncle Remus, I'm trying my best to bring up Johnny to be obedient and truthful, but you and your stories are making that very difficult. I think maybe it would be better if he didn't hear any more for a while. They only confuse him. Now, I know you mean well, Uncle Remus, but Johnny's too young. I'll have to ask you not to tell him anymore. And Uncle Remus takes, he he just says, yes, Miss Sally. He says, yes, Miss Sally. And <laughs> uh, he decides that he is going to leave. And he tries yeah. to leave the plantation over this. And here's the climactic action scene. Johnny sees Uncle Remus leaving the plantation, and, and he runs out. enraged after. that a black man would have the free will to leave the plantation, <laughs> he sprints across a field and is hit by a bull. That is not how I read it. <laughs> I think I think it was he didn't want to see his friend leave. And Uncle Remus is kind of the only happiness he has there at the plantation and he's well not the only but it it all sprouts from his relationship with uncle remus so he runs after him and then he gets he gets rammed by a bull or bulled by a ram or bold bulled by a bull Mm, he's twice bold yep and then he's too bold (laughs) just like his father (laughs) (laughs) so his dad comes back from hot lanta and they reconnect as a family again and that's how the movie ends i think um yeah that sounds about right oh no then the movie ends with a fever dream oh, a psychedelic of yeah uncle remus and all the children walking down the road with the animated characters all appearing and singing and dancing with them right that's right i forgot about that how could i forget so i i don't think this is true i'm gonna preface it with that just to get that out in the open but i like to think that the little boy died when he was hit by the bull and that it was his like he liked to think boys died it was it was well the little white slave owner boy i'm not too concerned about but i like to think that the end sequence where uh his Uncle Remus stays and his father shows up right away. And then the animated characters all come to life and sing and dance with him and Uncle Remus. I like to think that that is like the dying hallucinations that he's experiencing from the DMT release in his brain. Who, Johnny? Uh, Yeah, little Johnny. 
So because wow. it made so much nonsense happen all at once. Wow. Um, when in reality he died in the field and Uncle Remus left and then was probably captured and brutally punished for having the audacity to leave the plantation. Interesting. So, yeah, that's my theory, but probably not what they intended. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it's it's very hard to understand <laughs> what they intended by this movie. So we just did a flyby of Song of the South. Mm-hmm. Jimmy, what were your impressions of it? So, number one, as usual, I don't know if I just have a better attitude than everyone else involved in this, but I not only stayed awake through the whole movie but i really had a good time it is a slow painful movie to watch but it was really fun at in it you know in moments it was just i think it was more that it's just an old movie and in 1946 they hadn't mastered pacing a film yet mm-hmm. um but but i had a good time watching this interesting so shanley i'm a little bit curious what you thought of it. So l- let me first begin with the established declaration that you are racist because you fell asleep in the movie. We discussed this last night, but if you fall asleep in the movie, it's because you are racist. As your husband, I already knew that you were racist, um, but I was still shocked when you fell asleep during this. So n- now that I've cleared the way for you... <laughs> Can you share with us uh, what you thought of the bits of the movie that you did see? Um, you know, hearing your synopsis, I was actually really surprised. I thought there you would describe more of the movie that I missed. But then hearing it, it's like, oh, yeah, I saw all of those parts. <laughs> so I'm good. <laughs> to be clear, you slept for a good... 45 minutes yeah (laughs) behind what is it an hour and 15 minutes an hour and 15 hour and 20 minutes (laughs) sounds about right we started at 10 45 at night that's uh, okay actually it doesn't matter what time we started i already know i'm gonna sleep for part of a movie what did you think of the movie it was painful i started feeling really old because i kept wanting to pause it and then realizing that we had to like Hooked it up with our laptop, which is all the way over there. Uh-huh. And then wanting to put on subtitles, which uh-huh. won't work for a bootlegged movie on the internet. Okay, so you always watch TV with subtitles, but I imagine there's a reason in this movie that you had to have subtitles on. Is that correct? I think that the vernacular they were using, the accent. Yes. And also, I am deaf. So okay. <laughs> all those things working together just didn't help. I think also there was several moments in this movie where I was like, that can't possibly be what they had just said. And I really wish that they had subtitles just so I could be like, Screen wow, caption. wow, that's that's what they said. Those That was in the script. Yeah, for sure. Were there any bits of it that you did like being a resident racist? <laughs> well, me being a racist, I loved it, obviously. Um. I feel like the whole movie was just like, oh, wow, that they did that. And that just was my thought the whole time. And I don't think I had much of a response other than that. I liked it. I don't know. I, I think that it's easy to look at it through the political lens of today uh, and point out some notable flaws in the storytelling and the you know 
character design and the directing and all of that. But I think they were trying to do something good here. And I think that if you choose to focus on those parts, it's a fun thing. I get why it inspired such a glorious ride in Disneyland. Okay, so I want to talk about that. Let me let me first get my impression for the movie. I expected it to be less racist. I, it, it is brazen. That's the word that I have to use to describe how offensive the movie is. And so I'm speaking from the outside, Jimmy, because this is this is away from my ethnicity. But it just made me extremely uncomfortable. I was really surprised at how red in the face it made me for the entirety of the movie. But I will say that there was are... that anger or embarrassment. It was definitely secondhand embarrassment. We're like, oh, they said that they did that. <laughs> And, and, and I would like to not be so vague, but I do not feel comfortable repeating some of the things in this movie. So the thing that was the most jarring to me was how many times they said the phrase tar baby. Right. Yeah. Which is one of the most common criticisms when you look it up online. But actually, I'll let my mom go into detail on this. Uh, but she not only had a black doll that she named tar baby when she was a child. Okay. But also, apparently, that phrase came about before... It preceded the slur. The slur. Okay. And so there is some argument... Does it originate it with this story? Because the, the Tar Baby story from the collection of Uncle Remus, it's, it's from the original books, not just from the movie. Yeah, I don't know if it is. It's a term that sounds impossible to have origins outside of racism. racism it's true it that. seems like the most racist thing you could possibly say. But I don't know. I mean... Wait, I, I do want to speak to some positives of the movie. Because the actor who plays Uncle Remus, James Basket, there's two T's. I don't know if it's a basket or a, or a basket. If I had a name dis dictionary, I'd ask it. <laughs> <laughs> He's... He's really charming and lovable and he adorable. He was great. He, and his singing is amazing. He does voice acting in the movie. He also plays Br'er Fox. And he's great. And I love the zippity-doo-dah. And apparently this is the first Disney movie that has a black main character in Uncle Remus. He's, by and large, the hero of the story. The movie's actually very beautiful production-wise. It looks like it's filmed on location, but it's not. They shot this in Arizona, which is the furthest away from southern climate as possible. And it looks really, really great. The animation composite with Uncle Remus singing the zippity doodah number is a technological marvel. It's It was beautiful. really impressive. They, they did an amazing job with it. And that. apparently that was an afterthought. It was supposed to be a live action performed song, but it was shot poorly. So they just shot James Basket singing by himself, and then they composited animation over it. That wasn't the original plan. And it's so good. Yeah, and apparently he auditioned to just voice one of the... One of the butterflies. He was, yeah, he wanted to be a butterfly. And uh, when Walt heard the audition tape, he insisted on meeting him and suggested that he play the role of Uncle Remus. And Walt was so proud of the performance that he demanded that he be considered for an Academy Award and pushed so hard for it 
that he was given an honorary Academy Award several years after the film release. Right, right. Uh, and I think for decades, Walt said that he thinks it was one of the best performances in any of his films. Right, right. Which is, if it's genuine, is pretty cool of Walt, I guess. So that's that's what's fascinating. <laughs> It's hard trying to decide how much credit he deserves for being cool in his possibly racist behavior. Well, that's what's baffling, not just about Walt Disney, but about this movie specifically. Because I do think that they thought it was progressive, but it was coming from such a tunnel vision perspective that it is not that progressive. (laughs) It's, It's mostly offensive. The way that we handle this issue today in film is we get representation in the writing room. So things like this don't happen. I think that what you have in Song of the South is you have a bunch of people from a white background who are trying to maybe depict an interracial friendship in a movie, speaking from only one side of the aisle. We try to do this a little differently today. We would get African Americans in the room to write and to represent and to make sure that this is an accurate depiction. I think the reason why the plantation life is romanticized is because it's coming from an outside perspective and it's rose-colored glasses. Yeah, I think that when you have a story that was originally written by a white person adapting stories that he maybe heard from black people on a plantation in questionable circumstances, then he wrote them down to profit from them. And then later, white people purchased the rights from that guy's family to adapt them into a film written by white people and marketed clearly to white people because they premiered it in a whites-only theater in Atlanta. Sorry, in Hotlanta mm. in 1946. You lost me for a second, but then yeah, you pronounced no, it correctly. I saw the look on your face and was realizing my mistake. Um you're clearly facing what is something that is luckily getting attention nowadays, but that, um, you know, it's too far removed from the people who should be telling this story. I think, and I think it would look very different. And I actually would be really excited to see like a, a black production of this film. Well, that's, what's difficult about it is that the, The source material that exists, as you said, is not the source material. Right. Because the books by Joel Chandler Harris are the source material for the book, but they're adapted from these stories that were supposedly orally shared in tradition. There are different schools of thought on this who think that Harris's motivations for sharing these stories were more sinister than just profiting from taking stories from others and he would have claimed that he was celebrating these beautiful stories he'd heard but others would say that the reason why these stories sort of hinge toward a stay on the plantation arc is because Harris himself was was an avid confederate he wanted to join the confederate army but was rejected because he was too young wow and he ended up living on this plantation to write for a journal in Georgia, and that's when he met the different figures that he composited to make this Uncle Remus keeper of stories. So it's just kind of impossible to know 
what the original source material was. Yeah, or yeah, if there was even anyone telling him these stories, or if it's just him writing in a way that is attempting to have this credibility to it, but is really his own creation. Right. It seems to me that the moral for the three Br'er Rabbit stories that are animated in the film the moral for each of them is kind of like the wise person stays in their place the clever person stays in their place i think it's that he has to keep learning to stay in his place because he keeps wanting to go off again and then things start going bad and the whole point is you can't run away from your troubles right uh, which is something uncle remus likes to say several times throughout the film is that you can't run fast enough to outrun your troubles and so you got to just stay where See you like are. that the the wording of you can't run fast enough to outrun your troubles that's a wonderful lesson but when it's in this <laughs> context yeah that that's why i think that they were trying to do something that they thought was very progressive because the hero of the story is uncle remus i mean sort of would you say that johnny's the hero of the story i think so you know I, I, it's hard, dude. I really want to remove the modern lens from my interpretation of this film. But I do feel like Johnny saying that Uncle Remus is his best friend and their relationship and in several other ways, white characters like the white little boys who are disrespectful to Uncle Remus and other characters treat him makes me feel like even though he's maybe the oldest and wisest character that he's sort of regarded as being an equal with Johnny, who's like a seven-year-old boy. Hmm. And so it's difficult to see him as being modeled as a hero because everyone kind of treats him like he's a child. So he doesn't accomplish he, anything. Yeah, only he, only he when a, his lessons are wielded by Johnny does he never, it actually yeah, accomplish At things. no point does he have agency over anyone's actions or even his own actions because the only thing he tries to do is leave after getting in trouble and even that is unsuccessful. Yeah, he doesn't get the chance to leave. Yeah, yeah and it almost makes him into Br'er Rabbit trying to run away from his troubles and yeah. causing more troubles along the way. So so go back home, stay in your place. Yeah. I, I spent kind of the day in researching this movie. I uh, listened to a six-part podcast called uh, You Must Remember This, a Karina Longworth podcast, and they have a six-part series that's called Six Degrees of Song of the South, and I would recommend that for anybody who's further interested in the background of this movie. But you alluded to something, Jimmy, that is the conversation surrounding this movie, and it's was this movie of its time? And it kind of seems like it was backwards even at the time of its release let's go over the timeline a little bit 1865 was juneteenth the real liberation of slavery in the union joel chandler harris wrote the source material and published it in book form in 1881 now fast forward quite some time walt and roy disney come out with their first feature film snow white in 1937 Gone with the Wind comes out in 1939, and it's that same year that Disney closed the deal on the rights with the Harris estate 
for the rights to the Uncle Remus character. And Song of the South is finally premiered in 1946. And yet so many of the themes of this movie feel so much older. So much of this movie seems less thoughtful than, say, Snow White which I, I don't know if I'm reading too much into this, but that movie is a story about fair skin. I don't, I don't know if there's yeah. something to that. But apparently at the time of this release, the NAACP was against this movie. And one of the greatest criticisms was not that this movie shouldn't be made, but that Walt Disney was not the right person to do it. The black community in the late 40s were not happy with the representation that their heritage was given on screen. And as you said, this movie was never released in home entertainment here in the United States, but it did re-screen again in 1956, 72, 80, and 86. Yeah, and I even saw as recently as 2006, I want to say, or somewhere around there, it was released or put out on TV in i want to say the united kingdom Mm -hmm. and it's i think still available in other countries today see and that's weird to me if this is an antiquated piece of art that is no longer a good representation of what disney stands for then why are they marketing it and selling it in any country that is okay with the vibes of it and the fact that disney screened it in 1986 that is way way later than when this would even be possibly considered relevant and okay and again when it was released in 46 40 years prior it already was controversial well it certainly was controversial but the controversy does have arguments on both sides and uh, i was able to find a quote i am struggling to find it now but an animator who worked for Disney in the 50s and 60s named Floyd Norman. He's a black animator, and he worked on Sleeping Beauty, The Sword in the Stone, and The Jungle Book, and a bunch of other short projects. He was an advocate for releasing this film because he thinks that people kind of were looking for problems with it that weren't intended. And I don't know, you know, there's always people on both sides. We are not a monolith. Mm -hmm. But I would say that he worked in the company and probably with Walt to a certain extent. Sure. And, you know, there might be some value in his opinion, but, um, and I even have seen that to today or within the last few years, there's still been some discussion in the higher ups at Disney about what they should do to release this film because some see it as, their responsibility to acknowledge this part of the company's history and sort of be like, this is a film, it exists, we made it, we can't hide from that fact. And whether there should be some sort of warning or um, I think even Whoopi Goldberg has... She wants to adapt it. ...wanted to not only adapt it, but also have it released and just have some sort of like preface into it, like an introduction from african-americans possibly herself um kind of providing some insight into what the controversy surrounding this movie is well allow me to say that i would like an introduction by whoopi goldberg in probably every movie especially ghost rider (laughs) 
I think she would do a bang up <laughs> job with Ghost Rider. I think it would start with, you know, I haven't seen this movie. <laughs> no, that that this is interesting. The downside of Disney releasing it is them profiting from it. I don't th- I don't think you can commercially release a film just as an acknowledgement unless you make it available free of charge somewhere. It's not just an acknowledgement, it is profiting from it. Yeah, but I mean if they released it on Disney Plus or something, like I don't I, yes, they are still profiting from it because you have to pay to access it, but I don't think anyone's signing up for Disney Plus to see Song of but the that's, South. But that's the thing. So the resurgence of the movie in the 70s and in the 80s, it by and large did come from people who who love this movie. And you have to acknowledge that it's got to be some people who love this movie for the wrong reasons. Well, you know, I really don't think anyone loves this movie, Matt. And I don't think anyone would because it's just too slow and too difficult to watch. It's very boring. But um, I also think... You know, Disney owns the rights to this film. And so there's not, without speculating as to if there was an intention of, you know, arguing that slavery was a good thing or whatever, it's not explicitly stated in the film. And there's enough of like an argument to go against that that I think I, I personally wouldn't have a problem with them. making it available to us okay so okay well let's let's jump log flumes for a second and talk about splash mountain yes finally shanley (laughs) you back in (laughs) yeah i'm gonna pose this question first to you shanley before we watched the movie we talked about how we feel about the Disney parks changing the theming of Splash Mountain from the theming from Space Mountain from Song of the South to Princess and the Frog, and we kind of had some mixed feelings about it. Now that you've seen the movie that Splash Mountain is based on, does that change at all your feelings for the existence of this ride? You know, I didn't think it would, but I think I really saw, like, oh, wow, I didn't realize how well... Yeah, no. I don't think I realized how well adapted the movie was into right. the ride. Just a lot of the like background things that you see when you're going through the ride, I didn't realize like how prevalent they are in the movie itself. So I think I was pretty mixed, but I think after watching the movie, I'm more like wanting to keep the ride the way it is. Hmm. Got it. Did what are your thoughts of them having made a ride based on this movie? And and before you answer that, do you know when the ride was first opened? I don't, but I already feel like whenever it opened it was already too late. <laughs> how how much too late do you think it was? Okay, so the movie came out in 64. No, the movie came out in 46. Oh, that's right. 46. I am dyslexic. Yep, okay. The park opened in 55. I have 66 in my head. 66. 
And so do you think in, in 66, we're, we're, we're talking civil rights movement a little bit-ish? Do you think that that's a, that's a bad time to release a ride themed on Song of the South? I do. Okay, in 66. Yeah, I think it's just... Okay, so I... Do you remember when the last screening, public screening of Song of the South was that I mentioned earlier? No, I, I, was, I wasn't listening. 1986. Is that too late to screen it in public? Oh, wow. Would you say it's too late to open a ride based on Song of the South three years after the last public screening of Song of the South because Splash Mountain opened in 1989? Is, You're joking. I'm not joking. Is that far too, too, too late? That's basically my whole life. And I'm way too young for that to be, like, coinciding with my timeline. Shanley, am I correct in remembering that you said the Splash Mountain ride bothered you because of the lack of Negroid children featured in the ride? I'm definitely cutting this. <laughs> <laughs> Is that correct or no? Okay. So, so Jimmy, you are glad there's no Negroid children on the ride. Got it. Even ride attendees, Shinley. <laughs> <laughs> Do we have that correct? No. <laughs> so she is happy about it. Okay, uh, glad we cleared that up. So, Jimmy, how about you? Did you know when Splash Mountain opened? Yes, uh, I did know. And uh, Is that too late? Well, so so what I was able to uncover in regards to the production of Oh, you Splash uncovered Mountain it. Was you did some deep journalism. I did some digging. I was, I was digging deep. I was journalisming harder than John Sr. in the Confederacy. <laughs> and I was able to see that it came from repurposing animatronics from a different attraction. Right, from uh, America Sings. Yeah, and uh, the Imagineer who came up with the idea just thought that it would be fun to incorporate kind of these uh, like woodland and swamp critters. They had the alligators and overalls and stuff like that. Yeah, and they ran into the problem that there were no other Disney movies that have animals in them. Yeah, well, not 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 wearing clothes, Matt. Uh, that's not true. Robin Hood, lawyers. Look, okay, well, there's not in Americana, Matt. Huh? I might have got you there. So anyways. I plead the physio. And also... Why I I think that we're all kind of assuming that Disney should be ashamed of this, and I I don't know if that's true. They just had a successful re-release, a semi-successful re-release or In reintroduction 86. of it a few years prior. So, um, and clearly Disney knew what they so were doing because all of us love this ride. I love this ride. It's great. It's got great music. It's got some of the best stuff. And I believe that Disney, while they have struggled with whether or not they were morally able to uh, produce more of like more availability and access to the Song of the South, they have shown the animated portions of it with a little more liberty. 
mm-hmm. and a little less discretion. So, and, and that is really that's the all only that's stuff that the features in the ride. Yeah. And that's what kind of, I'd be more okay with that. I, I mean, I don't think there would be much pushback to Disney releasing just the animated portions of this if there was still a little bit of like a... A, a Whoopi Goldberg. Yeah, Whoopi Goldberg intro. Pioneering, you know, pushing forward with her championing of the the message here. <laughs> I got that, huh? <laughs> yeah, I think I said exactly what I needed to say. Whoopi Goldberg loves this film and what it stands for. <laughs> uh, so I love the ride. I think that it is. It's hard growing up and falling in love with something, and then having time change and uh, you know people move on. And I understand that there is a much larger audience that has a connection to The Princess and the Frog. So, you know, hopefully it's a success. But personally, I, after watching this film, am even more passionately in love with the ride Splash Mountain. I got to say, when they were singing How Do You Do... In it the, was so fun. I felt it in my tummy. Yeah. I was like, I am on Splash Mountain. Like, I could no, feel I'm not. a little. I'm in a chair and I have to watch boat. this stupid movie that Jimmy's making me watch this week. I had a little bounce. You did have to me. Yeah, it was great. It's great music. It really is. It's super fun. Did you, in your deep digging, find out why the ride is called Splash Mountain, Jimmy? Um, I know they wanted to call it. Oh, I can't remember anymore. Ooh, Shanley, do you know the answer of what they wanted to call it? Wait, wait, wait. No, I don't. Don't, don't spoil it. Oh, you're going to check your phone. I'm going to see of... what tabs I had. Cheat. Open. So Man, I'm cheating. I'm not it only has your answer. own notes on that phone. No access to I'm not an cheating. information superhighway. Hold on, let me just look it up real quick. I'm not looking it up. I'm looking at open tabs that I had. To see if the search reminds me of what I was looking up. Jimmy has some devious tabs open on his phone. Okay. I'm looking at... (laughs) I can see what you're looking at. Some devious tabs. That's why they call you Jimmy Mm -hmm. Devious Tabs Tilly. Well, I can't remember what they were going to call it. (laughs) So, So not only do you not have the answer to the question I asked, but you also don't have the answer to the other question that you proposed dodging the question that i initially asked what was that not only what were the two questions i asked you one question yeah and you didn't have the answer to it but you dodged that question by proposing a different detail that you also don't know (laughs) (laughs) okay Uh, i'll give you the first word in what they were going to call the ride your word is zippity Shanley, do you have a guess of what they were going to call it? Mm. I mean, zippity doo something. Mm. She's gotten further than you have, Jim. Mm. I keep thinking zippity doo slide. Oh, not good, good, but just... 
but it was their first choice yeah, exactly. so the first one is never a great one jimmy you have any ideas before i give you it i looked it up i looked this up last night i just can't remember what it was okay did you know it shanley or what <laughs> She got you part of the way there. I'm not necessarily saying I agree with what Matt's saying. He's wrong. (laughs) I'm wrong. They were actually going to call it Super Dope Fest. Ah. Jim? Zippity River Run. Zippity River Run. They changed the name to Splash in one of the most Michael Eisner things I've ever heard. I need to get your guys' reaction on this. They named it to Splash Mountain... Because Michael Eisner wow. commented on that their most successful movie at the time was the movie Splash. And so he wanted it loosely associated, although it was not themed after that movie. That's the most Michael Eisner thing I've ever heard in my entire life. That Splash is-, is a live action film directed by Ron Howard? That's absurd. I have so many questions, and I just don't even know where to start. (laughs) So for anybody who doesn't know, uh, Splash is about Tom Hanks falling in love with Daryl Hannah, who's a mermaid. (laughs) It has absolutely nothing to do (laughs) with the ride Splash Mountain. He just wanted associated. Uh, And I don't know if you also know this, but there is a ride promo version of Zippity Doodah that has a dope rap verse in it. Wow. That's because Michael Eisner's 12-year-old son let him know that the kids like rap songs. You know it from the Disney sing-along songs. I do. Shanley, can, Shanley. You, can you muster within your memory some lyrics from it? Oh. We'll cut it if you're embarrassed. Man. Something like, Darren with a dash and a <laughs> splish splash. I can't remember it, but man, that series got a lot of love for me. There's, <laughs> there is something in there that's like, it's a it's a thrill when you're going down a hill by your own free will. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Like that's right before the part I'm talking about. Okay, that needs to get looked up. So we've gone full circle. We've started with the movie and we ended with your own free will, which is a weird inclusion for a lyric celebrating this movie. This is weird. Yeah, um you know I still think that more people should definitely see this okay i'm okay with it being the way that we did it where disney doesn't profit from it in any way but i really think they should just release it on disney plus the fact is disney is an evil company what they are and Uh, as much as we don't want to know that and don't want to acknowledge it Never it's seen any evidence of the contrary. You know, as I stand merely got to dig a little yards. deeper. <laughs> I hope that's on the ride. <laughs> um, and I honestly think that we're probably about twenty years away from the Princess and the Frog being racist. So you know, time will make us all racist. Well, you're 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 totally right. I think that. Today, the fact that Naveen is voiced by... I hate Naveen. I don't like that movie, just to be clear. But continue with your anecdote. Uh, Naveen is voiced by a white actor, and I that doesn't meet today's standards of representation. Why? Because the made-up place that he's from has an ethnicity attached to it? Yeah, because 
physically he's depicted as a black character. Uh, he's not black. No? I don't think so. Well, uh, what I mean to say is I, I'm trying to give credence to what you're talking about, that, that even that movie is going to be aged out. Where I stand on this is I... Oh, you agree with me? Yeah, I think... Okay, then is... you're right. I agree with you. <laughs> I think everything that is PC today is going to be racist in the future. That's why our our grandparents embarrass us in public. But that's that's the nature of progressivism is that we're making progress and so the next generation is going to be further i think what doesn't stand to scrutiny is i don't think i don't think song of the south was right for its time either so i don't think it can duck that excuse prince Naveen has pretty white hair a lot of people did back then man not black people though (laughs) They used relaxers made of lye. Back when? When would you say Princess and the Frog takes place? Are you listening to the rap verse, Shanley? I'm trying to find it. We're having serious social conversation right now, and you're trying to learn about the thrill of going down a hill by your own free will. I am. I'm, like, determined. I need to hear this. I think that once we get my mom in here, she's gonna clear all to to shed her light because we have to keep in mind my mom is a black woman who grew up in Louisiana in New Orleans in the '60s, and she has many fond memories of sitting around the record player, listening to and reading along with the tales of Uncle Remus. I found it, so we are going to listen to that. Okay, let's hear it. Michael Eisner is is Noah from Noah's Arcade in Wayne's World. Man, that is Come ridiculous. to the place where the games are played. It's cool. It's fresh. It's Noah's Arcade. B-Boy stance. Z-Z-Z-Zip. <laughs> I like the Z-Z-Z-Z-Zip. That's pretty messed up. That's pretty messed up. All right, so this is, we need to know, not just talking about the quality of the movie, but the experience of spending your weekly movie night on this movie, how does it line up with the other things we've watched so far? Uh, for me, I feel a lot bit more confident about my choice in Brokeback Mountain. Um, I feel less ashamed of my choice <laughs> and more confident that I chose something that was actually not a waste of time wouldn't you agree though that not unlike Brokeback Mountain this movie led to some soul searching in each one of us no (laughs) in a way the tales in this film 
our Uncle Remus telling the plantation that he can't quit them. I and agree. I think that's beautiful. It's horribly sad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is... I, I know you guys said that my movie was a bummer, but this movie is a huge bummer to me. Shanley, you slept peacefully through half of it. <laughs> so <laughs> you were rocked to sleep by that That's sweet sweet. racism. <laughs> by the calming notes of a simpler time. <laughs> okay, so he does say, and if you ask me, it was much better time than now. Everything was satisfactual. <laughs> so that's kind of weird that that line is in there. Like that well, was written <laughs> into the movie. But also, who is your celebrity friend who agreed that the time after the Civil War and during the Civil War and before the Civil War was her favorite time? So not my friend. Your 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 <laughs> idol. I brought it up during this movie because it reminded me of what Paula Dean said. Where she, because she was criticized that she made a plantation-themed event. And she, she was kind of drowning, man. She was talking about how she was so embarrassed, but that she didn't mean to offend anyone. She just was looking back to a time that, that's fondly beautiful, like directly after the Civil War. Or during the Civil War that she kind of trailed off and was like, before the Civil War. <laughs> Dude, that's like when people try to say that the Confederate flag is just a symbol of rebellion and pride in their heritage. It's like, yeah, okay. <laughs> but also, it's you lost. So maybe you shouldn't be that proud of that time. Well, you know, let's move on. But... Uh, where would you rank this in your in the movies that we've watched? You know, I okay. I'm not going to just be absurd and say that it was great or that it's my favorite movie of all time cuz it's not. Cuz Ghost Rider is. It is not that bad. I think it was fun as a historical document. Like historical documents. I enjoyed it because it's interesting seeing this piece of the history of a company that we've all kind of in a way been raised by and seeing some of the, the roots of that, uh, if you will. <laughs> and <laughs> um, you know, and, and I'm really excited to get more light on it from my own family's background because my mom has a connection to this. So I will definitely watch it again after we get some more information from my mom. And uh, I, I'll probably watch it again when I'm missing Splash Mountain. Because at the very least, in the midst of all of this questionable uh, moral ambiguity that is this film, there are great songs that remind me of tons of great times I've had with you sure. guys and my family and other friends, uh, you know, having fun on Splash Mountain. So Did I would say... For me, this is probably one that I will watch before I watch Brokeback Mountain or Ford vs. Ferrari. Um, definitely before I watch uh, Batman and Robin. Is that what we watched? Yeah. Ugh. Um, but it was probably 
the worst film of the ones we've watched if i'm being honest this is the worst film i'd say so, this is so we're, it's probably the worst but i will watch it before several of the others and that and that's what the ranking is it's about how you spend your movie night not yeah. whether it's good or not i i would watch ghost rider before i watch brokeback mountain again because i don't want to be sad right yeah i'd rather laugh. you'd rather feel the rush i'd rather, <laughs> I'd rather watch nicolas cage drinking jelly beans out of a martini glass which actually happens in that movie than feeling as sad as i did after after bbm I gotta say, I really want to watch this movie with my white grandpa and just watch his face the whole time. Uh, I don't know if I could comment on it publicly if I do, but it will be fascinating. Gotcha. Do you want to rewatch this with your mom? Because we're going to have her give some commentary on it. Matt, if you've ever watched a movie with my mom, you'll know that there is no way that I want that. I don't want to watch any movies with my mom. <laughs> it is an unbearable experience. Oh, we should put watch party with Renee. No, on no, <laughs> no way. Uh, uh-uh. uh. No. How would that even work? Would we zoom with her? We well, say, all right, we're gonna start the film in three, two, one. And then we Oops, just put her on guys. Speakerphone. I don't have the film on, and then we have to spend hey guys, twenty we're minutes need to trying to help her. <laughs> Yeah, no, she's going to be in a different room of the house while FaceTiming with us, watching something else and talking about some terrible reality show. She's going to be watching a reality show and go, oh, did it get to the part where this happened yet? (laughs) No? Okay, tell me when that part happens because I want to turn it back on. Yeah, I do think this movie wasn't as bad as some of the others that we've seen, like... Part of me looks at Batman and Robin, and it's like, they should have known better. You know, like, this was still, like, 1946. And I think that for its time, it was cool. Like, there was that cool part with the animation with the dog, and the dog was looking. Oh, that was amazing. Yeah. That was amazing, and so was the frog jumping in the actual, like, pond. The animated frog jumping in that, and... So the, en- the environment, the the physical environment was res- responsive to the composited animate, animated characters. So when Br'er Frog jumps into the pond, the pond ripples, where there's an animated bird flying around the dog's head. The yep. dog is following it. They have like Br'er Rabbit running next to the dog, and the dog is actually like looking in his direction. That's amazing. Reacting yeah. to it. It was pretty crazy. Yeah. So I don't know. I... I'm glad that I saw it. I definitely do not want to watch that anytime soon. That's the bottom of the what ones I want to rewatch. If we were able to find just the isolated animated sections, possibly with like I imagine when Disney released that, it had some sort of like framing or context, probably not from like a political perspective, but just like you know maybe like Jiminy Cricket jumping in between the sections and kind of bridging them um, I would be interested in watching something like that for sure oh yeah I, I just I, I don't think I liked any of the uh, live action part of the movie because not only was it 
again brazenly racist but it was also unbearably boring yeah i could have done without the entire side plot of the kids who live on the farm and the puppy yeah and they want to drown a dog like why how did that not get talked about in this whole episode i'm not saying we should get into it right now (laughs) But there's a ginger kid, big surprise, who wanted to drown a puppy. Jimmy, as our resident ginger kid, have you ever wanted to drown a puppy? We should keep this up, just by, for the by, by the way. Throughout, throughout this podcast, we should always just say, whenever I say something offensive, or one of us does, that I am that thing. <laughs> and so it's okay for us to say it. Uh, but lessons. no. Uh, as a ginger... I can say, number one, uh, there's different kinds of gingers, and the type that I belong to, the type to which I belong, thank you, would never drown a puppy. So what but you're saying there is, are definitely gingers out there who you can just look at them and tell. So, so that guy wants to drown a puppy. So I know the kids that wanted to drown the puppies, like obviously they're supposed to be like the bad kids. What about the girl that we were supposed to like who was willing to throw away a puppy, a really cute puppy, for a piece of lace? She was giving away the puppy out of the kindness of her heart. And to show appreciation, young Johnny offered the lace collar that he was humiliated while wearing. I don't As a gift. That was how that happened. He was being, oh, and here you go. Um, no. Johnny was busy playing with the cute puppy and then she was like oh okay so I'm gonna take this and then he's like okay Shammy so badly I want to side with you on this but you're very wrong that's really very not, very that's wrong really? yeah no you're not at all correct that scene did not go like that she asks Johnny to help her rescue the puppy because they're gonna drown him so as a solution for rescuing the puppy she says you can have it and he says and she had already commented that she likes his collar and then he offers it to her as a as a trade for the puppy i will say just in a brief moment here i'd like to point out i was much more offended by the relationship between the members of the weird white family that lived on or near the plantation and the way they interacted with other people um, than I was with the relationship between Johnny's family and their black employees, the <laughs> the prisoners with jobs. <laughs> yeah, that's what they are. Um, so, so, yeah, I think that, honestly, that weird redneck family with the ginger kids who want to drown a puppy who make fun of Johnny for dressing like a girl uh, I think that they were much more offensive than anything else in the film Wow! for me I don't know they were pretty tough dude like that was that was hard to watch they're also extremely poor and derelict you don't know that I do I saw their house they had, falling they, apart they had puppies running all over the place poor people don't have puppies oh maybe it's because they, they live do. in poor a, people <laughs> definitely have puppies <laughs> it's because they were living in a dog house and the dog was there before they were 
I don't know if there's evidence to say that they were poor people, uh, but they might have been. But either way, uh, they were terrible. Mm. Gotcha. Well, you know what time it is. Hey guys, Matt here. Normally at this point of the episode, we would transition to the spin and announce what next week's movie category is going to be. However, we wanted to insert here an interview that Jimmy and I had when we sat down with his mom, Renee, to discuss this movie. Since this episode touches on matters of racism, and of course we like to clown around, this is a topic that we do take super seriously. So we wanted to get Renee's perspective because she grew up with this book on a read-along record as a young black girl in New Orleans, and we wanted to have her perspective on this film. Please excuse the sound quality. We just recorded it in her hotel room, but I hope there are some things here that are informative and also fun because she's a really funny lady. You'll get the chance to see where Jimmy gets some of his craziness from. Anyway, cue it up. Mama. Testing, testing. Two. All right. Mom, we watched Song of the South, and I know that being the Southern Belle you are, <laughs> that you have some experience with Uncle Remus's tales <laughs> from your childhood, right? I do. I do have a little bit of experience with that. Can you tell us your experiences with? Because the, the movie Uncle was Remus. never re- re- never released, so we know. What was never do- released? The movie Song of the South. It was released in theaters, okay, but it was never released on video in the United States. But okay. you do have some childhood memories of this, anyways. I do. Would you like me to elaborate? Yeah, get into it. So I'd like you to just reference it and then don't delve yeah. into it we'll deeply. Just talk about, we'll talk about whatever. Okay, just, just, just lightly, you know, say. No, that, I, yeah. we do I'm want joking. you to. Know. I know, Matthew. I'm just as clever and sarcastic and humorous as you are. <laughs> That's why this is happening. Just right. as no, no, well, kind of close. Um, but anyway, yeah. So I didn't even know that it was a movie. Actually, I thought it was a record album. Uh, the year was about oh, uh, 1965, and my mom would sit us in front of the record player, the Hi-Fi, Who's as us? it was called, me and my brother Patrick, and my sister Andrea. So we the other probably, kids weren't too old for it? Yeah, because there's, you know, we're all a year apart, but then there's four years between the first three and the second three kids, so the three that were listening to it were me, probably five, six years old. Andrea, four or five years old, Patrick, three, four years old. And so anyway, they put it on, on the record player, and I do remember it sounding very, you know, slavey. You know? I mean, Even you at know, the time? It's well, I mean, at the, no, 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 not at the time. At the time, I remember there was something about it I didn't like, you know what I mean? And I don't know if that was just that I didn't like having to sit in front of a record player instead of read books like normal kids, but... You know, I, there was something about it I really didn't like. Patrick and Andrea loved it. Maybe I was older and more mature. I don't know. But there was did something they, about it that just didn't jive right, for lack of a better word. <laughs> did, did Grandma and Grandpa get this for you three, or did the older siblings? No, it was a hand-me-down. Stuff? No, it was hand-me-down from Bernard, Steve. So they'd had this for, like, 10 years. They'd had it forever, yeah. It crackled. It was, like, a record, right? A regular hi-fi stereo record player, and it crackled. From what I remember, the album... 
came in like a regular sleeve, but then that sleeve opened and there were pages in it. I don't remember words being on it. I just remember pictures of the Br'er Rabbit and the Br'er Fox and Uncle Remus and the Bluebirds and all that stuff. Was there a chime that was supposed to direct the read-along to turn a page? There was, but I Whoa! don't... What was it? Um, I don't remember. It might have been like... Was it just bing. like a chime sound? Yeah, maybe like a bing. Or a I think he was hoping that bing. it would be something like some... Like sound clip that was like racist sound. <laughs> oh yeah, no, no. I think like it was just like, like saying like turn the page down. Yeah. Ooh, loudy. Yeah. <laughs> oh, turn the page. Turn the page nah. When you no, hear the crack like... of the whip, turn <laughs> the page. <laughs> I said turn that page now, boy. Yeah, no, nothing like that. Just, uh, just like a tone, I think. And we were always when like, "Mommy, how come we don't know? It's time to turn the page." We were like, "Mommy, how come we don't get the book that goes with it?" Shut up and listen to your record album. You don't so, remember what the, like, adventure was or the story? Like, was it Br'er Rabbit and the Tar Baby or was it see, I don't the remember. Laughing Place one or something? Or do you know anything? The what place? So there's, like, one where in the movie. Yeah, you just said something that. There's it. one where the, he's, he gets captured by Br'er Fox and Br'er Bear. Uh-huh. And he starts laughing and says, oh, I'm thinking about the Laughing Place. Oh, yeah. And he uses that place. to trick them into letting him go. Yeah. You know, I remember the Briar Patch. I remember Br'er Rabbit, Br'er Fox, of course, and Uncle Remus. Like I said, the music and the birds and everything. But I don't remember, like, the story. I don't remember. I think I think because I had older brothers and sisters who were a lot older than us that they had already, like, told us that this was bullshit. And I was, <laughs> and I was young. I was old enough to, you know, want to be with the cooler kids. And so I tried to understand it where Andrea and Padgett were kind of like, yay, Uncle Remus is telling a story. And I was trying to pull away from it, I think. Because I do remember having a bad taste in my mouth and not really wanting to hear it, but I, but it's a background of my childhood, you know what I mean, at the same time. Like, I remember it, and, you know, when I'm in the ride, I remember, you know, I'm five again. But I don't remember, like, running to the record player going, please play it again, you know, but it was on. I guess with my mom. It, it was like, you know what it was? It was like the iPad of 1965. Yeah. You know, now it's like kids get all your nerves and you hand them your phone or your iPad and just let them stare at a blue screen all day. It was like, shut up and turn on the hi-fi stereo well, record player. That part makes sense, but it's surprising to me that your black and mixed Creole parents who left the South where it was all racist and stuff would be like having you guys listen to this questionable content. Did, did it not seem like it was recognized as racist as much back then? Or are they just old-fashioned and weren't bothered by it? Yeah, I think they were just old-fashioned. Like, intense racism, so they were like, this is pretty harmless. You know, I don't know. I mean, you really, you'd have to really ask my mom that. You know, she's 94, she's still around. Would she you just ask turned, her? like, 97 or something. Like no, no, she, 94? I think, she, she just turned 94, I believe. Take this on the road. You know, I'm assuming since it was around before I was born, right, and my older brothers and sisters had owned it and listened to it and stuff, I'm assuming my parents, it, I mean, what choice did you have? You know, I mean, yeah. you're black in a, in a racist society, and it's like, here's what you get to have your kids listen to, you know, and they couldn't take a stand. Their stand was getting the fuck out of the South and moving to San Francisco instead of New Orleans, you know, but they still dragged... I guess the trappings of the South, which was all the toys and whatever we had, it was what we had. You know what I mean? What there was was what there was. The Disney movies that were made were racist, and that's what we had, you know? 
So looking at that stuff now, we kind of showed you the trailer for Song of the South and yeah. some of the videos from it. Do you think that this is something I should pass on to your grandkids? As a form of entertainment? Yeah. Do you think that they should have some of the same joys you had as a kid with Uncle Remus's Absolutely tales? not. No? Absolutely not. You don't think so? No. Okay. I think they should know about it so nothing like this ever happens again because it's horrifying and terrible. But, I mean, it's weird because it does... I do have a little love of, like, even when you guys were playing the sounds, you know, a little while ago, it brings back memories, you know, but the racist part of it is something I would never want my grandkids or anyone to see or know or whatever until they're older, maybe, and can understand it, you know? Because you don't want it normalized for them. And yeah, it would be dangerous, I think, to have a kid like it today, you know, because it's so wrong, so you know? I'm just, I'm curious what... So I have my thoughts about the things that made me uncomfortable, but I don't have a black background. I'm not black. Mm -hmm. But there is definitely stuff in there that made me feel uncomfortable. What a, what about it do you think is, is wrong, like, specifically? Okay, so for me, every voice sounding <laughs> like an ignorant, slave, dumbed-down version of a black, just extra stupid-sounding overly black I mean wait a minute hold on <laughs> that didn't come out right I mean overly slavey sounding like you know stereotypical yeah yeah like a yeah. stereotypical black slave sound like you know like not caring that this is all they could be but this is the me of today that's feeling this way as a kid I just felt like it was a fantasy kind of part of our childhood, but I was too young to know that it was racist. I know you don't recall that much about it, but are any beats of the story elements, do those strike you as also racist? And you mean like the fact that the little white boy had a little slave mate that was supposed to watch him? And Well, yeah, there was definitely that, but <laughs> yeah. More like Uncle Remus's lessons about yeah. like, oh well yeah of course the whole thing about you know don't be like you think we don't want to run away but we know okay is where we're supposed to be boss you know that's not it's <laughs> <laughs> very good seriously though you know uh -huh. and it's kind of sad that they're using their slaveness to teach a kid why it's best to just stay put so yeah it's terrible so a big part of this movie I think is always going to be tied to the ride Splash Mountain because that's right. had so much more access for people for the last 30 years or whatever. Right. Do you remember if you connected that ride? Like with the first time you went on Splash Mountain at Disneyland, did you connect that to your childhood or was it something you didn't even really recognize as like, oh, okay. I grew up with this. Okay. I had a different experience with it as a child listening to the record. The ride part of it, I still love. You know what I mean? Right. Being in the ride and the music and everything. But I do remember the first time I was on it, I was kind of like, wow, this is this seems very racist. I realized almost on the ride how racist it was. But yet I still love the ride. Mm -hmm. You know? But I don't want it to exist. But every time I hear the music or anything, it's going to bring me right back to every time I've been on that ride. You know what I mean? So it's kind of a double-edged sword in a way, you know? Right. It's like you don't want to like it, but it reminds you of a fun time. But, but like, today when Jimmy showed me a clip of the actual movie, and I was like, wow, how fucking dare them? You know, yeah. really? This was going to be okay? You know, said so none of that, like, the visual of that, I had no recollection of that. I thought it was just a story about an old black slave or an old ignorant-sounding black dude named Uncle Remus 
who tells stories about the stuff. Okay, can we jump over to your experience with your tar baby now? Okay, so I did not... You mentioned that you had a tar baby. I don't know if there's anything in my subconscious that remembers tar baby from the stories from Uncle Remus, but when I was a kid, we had a Chinese neighbor who would deliver us little treats and stuff every now and then, and one day she knocked on the door and gave me this pitch black baby doll. I mean, blacker than the blackest, blackest thing you've ever seen, and it had Blacker than the inside of a coffin on a moonless night. Exactly, yes. Just about that black. And it had big bubble eyes, and it was just, it looked like a regular baby doll, but with bigger eyes and pitch black. And I, for some reason, named it Tar Baby. And I remember having this doll. I remember my mom not liking me having this doll, you know. And I can't maybe, imagine that being a coincidence. Once again, that, you know, and that doll disappeared, and I've always assumed that my mother threw it away. But yeah, I, I that was my experience with having a... Uh, and I think there was a thing that somebody called somebody in my family a tar baby, you know, back in the day. But I don't know really who that was. Once again, ask the 95-year-old. Probably knows more about that. But Cool. Yeah, I did have a baby doll named Tar Baby. Uh, I think we should probably be tying up now. June, do you have any last-minute things? Uh, no. I thank you for your time, Mom. Love you. You're welcome. I love you, too. And when can I get the payment? You guys mentioned something about a check. <clears throat> I told you we will sponsor your. You can sponsor this from your OnlyFans. We'll put a link in the. Nice. Do you have any final words, Mom? We're gonna go ahead and cut out everything you just said for the last <laughs> five minutes. Uh, nope. I'm just glad that times have changed, and I'm glad I could uh, impart some wisdom on you guys about. I actually, experience. I actually do want to ask. Can we get an one. ooh loudy before we go? Ooh loudy. Ooh child. Ooh child. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna keep those and just drop that in in future episodes. Honey, <laughs> child. <laughs> just last question, real quick. So we went out and found this movie. Do you think people should go out and find this movie for educational purposes? Do you want to watch it also? So both. Um, strangely enough, yes, I do want to watch it just so I can have that experience. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, I don't think any. I think it needs to be burned. And only people who have already seen it can see it and can tell others about it. And maybe there's like some historical reference in the archives somewhere, in, in Library the archives. of Congress, Con- Library of Congress, the Chamber but of Congress. Yeah, no. For entertainment purposes, definitely not. I hope you guys liked that interview. Like I said, she's a lot of fun. Now let's go back to the spin. Whose turn is it to spin? Is it you, Matthew? My time in the Matt sun, my friends. Spinning that wheel. Do we have any any hopes and dreams that's going to come up? Oh, man. I really want it to be my parents. Uh, <laughs> since my mom's coming to visit next week. Oh, geez. Um, yeah. It'll be great to not only get her to justify the terrible film she makes us watch, but also get her commentary on this week's film. <laughs> um, so that would be just perfect timing, personally. Um, I'm actually, I know you guys are going to think I'm like being sarcastic, but like, or ironic or whatever. I am really looking forward to Air Buddies. Oh, gosh. I think that's going to be a real gem. All right. Matt, what do you hope it is? Adam Sandler filmography. Ooh, is that one of them? It is. I thought we only put bad movies on the wheel. (laughs) Because if we do that, you best believe it's gonna—it's not gonna be something good. I'm gonna choose it something will. horrifying. Th- you can't. 
All of his films are great. So extremely easy, Jim. All right. Here we go. No bust, no bust, no bust. No puzzles, no puzzles, no puzzles. I'm scared to look. Oh, it's strictly Shanley. But we no. made we made a rule that it can't be the same result within uh, within a month of each other. So we're respinning. Did we make that rule? I yeah. think so. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we have bad sequel. <laughs> wow. Is it time? Is it time for Ghost Rider? Is the spirit of vengeance finally riding again? I didn't realize that Ghost Rider 2 could be in bad sequel. Too. This wheel is rife with different <laughs> options that could be Nicolas Cage. Movies. It's all ghost rider 2 oh, spirit man, of vengeance sequel. every week do you guys have any hopes that it either will be or won't be because it, it doesn't i because i think i'm going to deviate away from disney disney well, this is, is low-hanging fruit for bad sequels this is an opportunity for us to watch convergent or whatever that crap is called <laughs> oh yeah allegiant if it exists, if they even made the final movie. Is the actual final one called Convergent? I don't think that's any of them. Well, what were you talking about? Allegiance. I'm, is that the final one? That's what it was supposed to be the final one? Or is that yes. the... What is the final one that they made? Allegiant. Wait, so what's the... I think it was supposed to be a two-parter. I think they were going no, the Death No, 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 there's but... a stupid name for the last one that they didn't make. It's okay. called something like redundant. I can't <laughs> it should have. It should have been. Uh, Shanley, I know you know what the what it's supposed to be. I'm pretty sure the last one's Allegiant. No, but what's the one that's that didn't get made? I don't know. I didn't know that until Matt told me the other day. I thought you read these books. I did. Shanley, <laughs> you you read the books and you don't know what the last one's called? I thought it was Allegiant. Allegiant is the last book. Uh, and they were going to split it in half. They were going to do Deathly Hallows thing. So, but this is the official tetralogy. It's Divergent, Insurgent, Allegiant, and Four. A Divergent collection. <laughs> the last book is called Four. I guess just, I guess it's an anthology. So it was a trilogy, and then the author rewrote, I think, the first one. From the guy's point of view, and his name is Four. So that's oh. what that fourth book is. Shanley, this is terrible. Yep. I'm so offended that you wanted to watch that. I, I have a lot of thoughts, you guys. I'm thinking I'm thinking of some sequels that ended up made for TV on, say, ABC Family. Things like that. The film was supposed to be called Ascendant. I don't know what you're oh. reading, but the fourth one was supposed to be called Ascendant, so I'm not crazy. That was a thing. You said something... I was making a funny joke, but I knew it had another dumb Dant film title, but the the fourth one was supposed to be called Ascendant, so that's what I was looking for. Bad sequel. Well, well that does it for this week's episode. We'll see you next week on Movie Night on the Weekly Watch Wheel, where we'll watch a bad sequel. Woo! Say it, Shanley.
Thanks for listening in to the Weekly Watch Wheel. If you had as good a time as we did, be sure to subscribe, tell a friend about us, and maybe even leave us a review. Hit us up on Twitter at WKLYWatchWheel or via email at weeklywatchwheel at gmail.com. See ya! It's the Weekly Watch Wheel.